There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Did you know, on average, heating your home makes up 82% of your energy bill? Installing a smart thermostat could save you a lot of money and be good for the planet. Honeywell Home have been making the home smarter and more comfortable for over a hundred years and their trusted smart thermostats help you get control wherever you are. And because they work with Google and Alexa, you can simply change the heating with your voice. Installing a smart thermostat doesn't have to be confusing or time-consuming, so why not visit getconnected.honeywellhome.com to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Pocket podcast sponsored by Honeywell Home by Residio, making the smart home simpler. Remember Pokemon Go? Of course you do. Well, while there are still plenty of people playing it, the developers behind the popular Gotta Catch Them All experience have got a new game for you to try. Harry Potter Wizards Unite. Not one to miss out on the latest fad, Pokemon editor Chris Hall, already a self-confessed Pokemon master, he's on level 37, has been feverishly playing the new game to find out whether it's any good or one to miss. Is it like an earwax-flavoured Bertie Bot's every-flavoured bean, or something much more appealing like a nice warm hug from Hagrid? Later on in the podcast, Pocketlink contributor David Phelan talked to the team behind the new Virgin Atlantic cabin redesign, and our own reviews editor, Mike Lowe, tells us his top three noise-cancelling headphones to go for if you need to cancel out some noise in your life. So, back to you, Chris. Should I download Wizards Unite and start playing straight away? I think you should probably give it a go. It's certainly a huge game that's just come in. And as you said, it's come from the same developers as uh, Pokemon Go. Um, the first thing I would say that w- would be that if you're a fan of Pokemon Go, you'll almost certainly be a fan of Wizards Unite. Um, one of the, I mean, they've, obviously they've changed the theme and they're moving from Gotta Catch Them All to being a wizard. And there's a big storyline behind it but a lot of the gameplay mechanics are similar it uses the same base maps for example which is what you know the company really uh uses for its games and it it involves a similar level of exploration and discovery so it's one of those games where you need to go out and you need to get on your feet take yourself out there and find things and for me that's what really appeals about the game i as you said, I'm a bit of a Pokemon Go nerd. Um, I didn't really, I had no interest in Pokemon before that, but it was this style of gameplay that really drew me in because it fits so well with the other things that I do in my life. For example, I can walk the dog and I can play these types of discovery games at the same time. Um, and so I think that's the first thing. If you like Pokemon Go, you'll almost certainly find something in Wizard Night, Wizards Unite that will appeal to you. Is it as simple as catching a Dumbledore or a Dobbin, for example, or is there much more to it, Chris? There's, there is a lot more to it, and that's one of the things. It really evolves the idea that was started with Pokemon Go about finding and collecting, and it gives you the chance to develop yourself as a character. Now, this is where being a fan of Harry Potter will really appeal because there is a lot of um, emotive content in there, if you like, 
that Harry Potter fans will recognize. And it goes a lot deeper than the movies as well. So there are characters or uh, things that have been mentioned in the books that have never really, you know, appeared in the films that, that are sitting here in the game. And so if you're a Harry Potter fan, then there is a lot of stuff there for you to play with. Uh, whether it's enough stuff for um, for you to just be a fan of the game, that's a slightly different question because you still need to put quite a lot of time into it, and you will have to play this game as a game. You'll have to, you know, you will have to go out and you will have to search for Dumbledore. I haven't found Dumbledore. I'm pretty sure I've seen where he would appear in the game, um, but yeah, there's a lot of those sorts of things. I mean, the opening couple of uh, like moves that the game makes is presenting you with Hagrid. So you get the chance to release Hagrid by casting spells. Um, and that's an instant sort of hook. Everybody is like, oh, it's amazing. Um, and working with augmented reality, which was something that Niantech is very good at, that then can put Hagrid in your front room or on your desk at work or wherever you like. And that's, you know, that's one of the huge things. That's one of the things that kids love, you know, because they can get all of these characters from Harry Potter and, you know, they're in the garden, on the street, all over the place. Um, and that's, that's, that's what augmented reality is, is really, really good at. Now, occasionally I've gone to walk the, walk my own dog and you're suddenly surrounded by people on, on the phones playing Pokemon Go and you're like, what's happening? And they, they have those big community days where there'll be certain Pokemon that sort of appear in, in droves for you to catch and everybody gets involved and stuff like that. Do you think that will, that same sort of approach will come to, to Wizards Unite as well? I think we can definitely expect that. Nothing has really been said about it so far, but I was lucky enough to sit down with the developers from uh, Warner Brothers Games and from Niantic a couple of months before the game was released, and they spent a lot of time talking about how successful the community days had become. And this is something that really changes the nature of these games and makes that sort of community, lots of people coming together to play the game. Um, and and these, I, I, I suspect that these events will become a sort of monthly thing and there's a part of the game hidden and what in the game at the moment there is a screen that talks about a special event um and there's been no reference to it and i haven't asked i'm just waiting to be pleasantly surprised but there was also a hint um in that preview day that there may be stuff in the game that ties into future releases along you know the other lines that harry potter follows so we know that there is another movie coming up and I suspect that there will be related content from those films that then feeds down into the game to try and you know help build the hype around it and stuff like that. Now, Harry Potter is hugely successful. We obviously had numerous movies. Obviously, there's been kind of extra additional sort of universe stuff around that. But probably the franchise that's most relevant at the moment is the Fantastical Beasts, which obviously is two movies in. It looks like that's not going to stop for any anytime soon is there an element of fantastical beasts in wizards unite as well or is it just harry potter no it it spans the whole thing and the whole thing is called the wizarding world and you will find fantastic beasts everywhere and that's and and one of the great things that fantastic beasts did was it exposed everybody to a wider world beyond hogwarts and all of that kind of stuff and so you have uh, mystical creatures you can choose a profession as a magizoologist, which is what Newt Scamander is, and he's the star of Fantastic Beasts. Um, and so, yeah, there is a lot of that stuff going on, um, and it does take you beyond that Hogwarts thing. And this really isn't about Hogwarts. Hogwarts is one stream. You can find items that you will recognize from Hogwarts, but 
this is about the whole world. This is about the entire universe of Harry Potter, if you like. Pokemon Go has been massive. There are still millions of people playing it a number of years after it launched. Do you think Wizards Unite has the potential to be as big as, if not bigger? I I think that's a really interesting question. Obviously, um, people are already starting to make their comments about gauging the success of Wizards Unite over the first week compared to Pokemon Go. The thing that Pokemon Go really did was establish a new type of game that had never been seen before and... And it was it was enormous at that time. It was it was like completely off the charts in terms of gameplay. And I don't think that we're going to see that again until we have a new type of game and a new way to experience that. Because a lot of people died into Pokemon Go because they had no idea what it was all about. The thing about Wizards Unite is you have a good idea of what it's about already because we've been through Pokemon Go before. So. I don't think that it's going to reach the same kind of numbers. I don't think we're going to see Niantic making huge profit from it. But at the same time, they are probably going to draw in a lot of people and keep them captured because there is definitely a lot more content in the game for people to engage with. It's designed to be a game that you play for a long, long time, maybe not spending hours and hours every day, but it's something that is supposed to live with you for years. If you've got one tip to someone that's now excited about playing this because they've heard us talking about it, What is the one tip that they should go into the game knowing? I think the biggest thing that you can do to boost the experience is go out there, experience it with all of the audio soundtrack and the augmented reality. See what that's all about, because the, the, the AR is very, very good and you want to experience that. But once you have, turn it off. Because the AR puts huge demands on your phone. It slows the games down. You're more likely to have the game freeze. It's more likely to use more battery power and so on. So that would be my one tip. Go out, experience it, see what it's all about, and then turn off the AR. Still to come, Mike talks us through the best noise-cancelling headphones on the market today. The difference is dramatic. Um, I think the reason these are really popular is because they're really lightweight, so you almost like barely notice you're you're kind of wearing them to some degree. Pocketlink contributor David Phelan went to Virgin Atlantic's headquarters near Gatwick Airport to find exactly how its newest look cabins have been designed. He sat down with three designers, Wilbex Russell, Henry Buckley and Monica Son, to discuss some of the considerations you have to make when completely redesigning a fleet of aircraft that will have to endure the rigours of travellers like you and me. A frequent traveller himself, David began by asking Henry what principles and inspirations he followed. We try to understand what customers want, not just from an airline perspective and an aviation sector perspective, but actually what people want across the globe, Um, whether it's to do with hospitality, um, so in restaurants and hotels and things like that, Uh, but, you know, what their ground experiences are as well and what what they expect from them. So um, it's more than just what what is in the air. It that's goes it, yeah. beyond that. Yeah, we, we try not to. Um, obviously, we do benchmark our products against other other carriers, um, but we don't try and focus on them for actually our inspiration on how we're going to improve our products. And some of the real, real highlights for us, um, obviously, we're in a we're in an era where um, everybody has a wealth of information at their fingertips, um, and customers want to know more about the backstory. So one of the things that we try and do is take them on this uh, development journey. Um, so when we develop our products. They're there, they're giving us feedback. We're then iteratively improving, we're showing them the products again. Um, so that's something that our customers really want. Uh, we're also looking at how we connect with our customers better. So by sparking their emotion with every interaction that we, that we have on board an aircraft, um, that makes them connect with that brand um, and connect with the products they're using. Mm. 
It's other things that we focus on, things like uh, making these little hero magic magic moments. We call them um, we call them the the memory glow. So these are the elements that people really experience. They like that you know they really like that element. Um, it really sticks in their memory, and it's the things that stick with them. When they're finished uh, with a Virgin Atlantic experience, they take that away and they can then speak about that, pro about that experience again. Can you um, give me an example of what a memory glow might be? So what, we d what we've done, especially with the new social space, but it's really what we try to achieve consciously on all of our social features, is that we have them at door two boarding. Um, so that for every customer, not just an upper class customer, but also a premium and economy customer as well, they'll board into that area. And we obviously have... Um, very heavily branded monuments so we have things like a uh, geometric pattern on our current bars on the 787s we have um, impact lighting so we have a lot of mood lighting on board um, obviously our design flair um, creates really exciting space to board onto the aircraft and the idea is that both during boarding and then also in disembarking is the first thing our customers see is the last thing they see um, and with that, we've really tried to focus on how that impacts their emotion when they board the aircraft and how that impacts their emotion when they disembark. Mm. And you've mentioned materials, Monica. I know that's mm. part of your concern. Tell me a little bit about uh, how materials were decided upon for the new, the new cabins. Well, it's part of that vision, as Henry described, uh, it's, you know, it's a human experience. It's, um, it's Virgin Atlantic, but it's got a, um, a more subtle, warmer feel. So we want it to be... You know that that warmth and that memory glow. I think is a good um, word for that. So keeping the whole aircraft warm with mood lighting as well. Um, um, so all of the finishes we we had a really lovely minimal palette before, and we really enhanced that by having more warmer colours inside the upper class suite. Mm. Um, everything complements the the crew uniforms, um, but really enhances them as well. And. Um uh, Henry, you touched upon lighting, and sometimes I used to think when you got on a Virgin Atlantic plane, it was almost like a nightclub. It was, it was, it was very carefully directed lighting. It was very subtle. It was very inviting. Is that still um, that lighting? Is that still a, an important part of the redesign? Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, uh, Monica can probably speak about this as well after me, but uh, but yeah, we as as a group have, have worked on different. Uh, areas of lighting um, and essentially what we've done is, is design the system so that everything works uh, harmoniously from, from the, the front of the aircraft right the way to the back um, so that our, to our crew it's a very simple product for them to actually um, to work with uh, but to our customers uh, we, we obviously heighten our brand um, I guess heighten our branded impact uh, by having more of the pinks and, and the purples and uh, some of the ambers when you board the aircraft. So it's a really high-impact lighting scenario. But then throughout the, throughout the flight and the different phases of the flight, we also have other scenarios that we go into that are more suitable to that flight phase. Um, so we have six scenarios, um, the first one being obviously that boarding and disembarking. Uh, but then we've also got things like the, the dime mode, uh, work, press and play mode. Well, it's more the relaxing phase where you're in between, you've done your meal, you're yeah. watching your film, you're trying to work. So it's a, um, it's a combination kind of utilisation, that light. And it's, it's light enough for you to work in, but it still feels really relaxing, so it's not really stark light. Yeah. And I think when we looked at the mood lighting, uh, we looked at what what you need at each stage of that flight uh, of the flight. So what you what you need when you're eating, or you need... Uh, more natural daylight so your food doesn't look green or you know so to make sure that the food looks great and you're feeling relaxed so like you're in a restaurant we had that type of mindset mm. so we had a vision when we created the mood lighting from all aspects of the cabin to make sure that um, you've got the most suitable experience for what you're doing what you're doing on, on that space.
and what we've been able to do on board the A350, which is uh, completely new for Virgin Atlantic, is actually incorporate or extend that mood lighting within the upper class suite. So we have a, a set of uh, a series of LED lights incorporated within the seat that actually, in order to dial up the experience and allow the passenger to feel slightly more involved with the lighting, which obviously is such a huge part of Virgin Atlantic, we have basically given the passenger uh, an element of control over their in-seat lighting, so mm. they're able to actually modify the brightness throughout each of the flight phases. Mm. Um, I'm interested in how the new design, because all three of the cabins look very different now, um, how they have affected seat capacity and how much that was a, a, a concern up front for you guys, uh, or whether it was just something that you put to one side while you were designing it? I think for, for the A350 1000s, we went through over 100 uh, iterations of the, the, lo of the Loper, which also incorporates a number of different uh, concepts with regards to the products that go on board, each of the individual cabins, as well, of course, as the, the, the social space and the, the boarding moment, etc. So a lot of work goes in across the business in order to ensure that we, we strike the right balance and ensure that the overall experience is... Uh, Virgin Atlantic. Uh, well, what was that word you used? The Lopa. Uh, the Lopa is the is the layout of passenger accommodation on board. Okay. Um, cool. Just having different people from all of the business looking at that uh, that layout and just seeing, okay, well, actually, are you sure we need? We, we go down to the you know millimeters of, of trying to get that space back. You know, do we actually mm -hmm. need that space here? Can we move it to here? So obviously we can open up the social space or add in another seat. So. It goes through a whole process of actually looking at, at the layout and saying, well, actually, do we need this? Or are you sure we have got the max there? And then you go down to the point where you're looking at, okay, well, how much recline do we need on a seat? Because then that will affect how, you know, what comes behind it as well. Sure. Um, so it's really about creating the right balance um, and making sure that we are optimising to the maximum. Um, and finally, what was the hardest thing uh, when it came to the new design? What was the thing that was most satisfying to make happen or... Were there any eureka moments, and if so, how did they feel? Henry, let's start with you. Okay. Um, I think in terms of what's what's the hardest thing, I think obviously as I've come into the industry from from completely outside of this this area, um, not really understanding the, the technical difficulties of getting things on board. There's things like obviously working on material development. Um, we come up opposition from many different. Uh, places when it comes to certification of certain materials, um, I was I was I was speaking about this earlier. In fact, there was a material that we were trying to put on board in the loft, um, and it it passed all certification except for when it came to environmental tests. And one of the things it really failed on was when um, a Nivea hand cream was placed onto the material. Actually, it tarnished really badly, so that was rejected based on a Nivea hand cream. So if you're just considering all the things that can go wrong to a product, and then you just like times by about ten, <laughs> that's really what. Um, what happens on board, you know, they check for all these different things uh, when it comes to certification. So. so it's not really until you get into that final stage, which we are now. Obviously, we're in the process of delivering the aircraft now where we get to see everything come together and really understand to what level we have met our intent. And uh, fortunately, I say with a, a smile on my face that <laughs> we really... You know, we, we've really met uh, our initial intent. Cool. Uh, Monica. 
Munganek as a team, it's um, it's a bit of a race against the time against time to make sure that all the material developments are going on to the aircraft and you know safety is paramount. It's uh, everything, and we we need to have it certified. So completely under you know understand that. It's having that vision and, and implementing it is the, and being that guardian of uh, the designs throughout the whole process is the, the biggest challenge. And as Will was saying, that if, you've, uh, if it looks like the beginning of what, what your vision was, then it's a massive success because mm. that is a constant struggle throughout the process to get it through. And a, and a massive um, you know, collaboration between all the departments as well. And having our agile suppliers is really key. Um, to make sure that we can get it, you know, on board as we intended it, as it works, and being durable enough for it to last for a long time. Um, so it's a, it's a collaboration game, totally, and uh, very satisfying. Uh, like we were saying, we're, we're now seeing the fruits of our labour and it's all coming together. It's, uh, it's magic. If you've ever been on an aeroplane, you'll be aware of that low humming noise of the engine. While some planes, like the new Dreamliner, have worked hard to improve the situation, if that noise bothers you, you'll want to invest in a pair of noise-cancelling headphones. But with so many on offer from so many manufacturers, and more seemingly being launched every day, what's the best pair to get? To walk us through all the choices available, I'm joined by PocketLint frequent flyer and reviews editor Mike Lowe, who has joined us to give us his top three noise-cancelling headphone recommendations for anyone keen to not only get on a plane, but also to remove the noise in their life. These are his best noise-cancelling headphones to buy right now. So, Mike, what's in at number three? Well, I'm a big fan of uh, over-ear headphones. So all of these are going to be over-ear, which mean they kind of fully encapsulate your ears, give you that kind of nice... You know, your ears aren't too bothered by anything touching them. It just, you feel really kind of shrouded in the headphones, which I find to be the, the best way to be most comfortable. Um, third choice, and it might be a little bit, not controversial, but these are quite pricey. It's the uh, B&O Bioplay H9i. Um, this is kind of like a subsidiary of Bang Olufsen. Um, they make really, really high-end stuff and... Just the thing about these that particularly appeals is just how nicely made they are. It's kind of all leathery and they're very soft. Um, and in terms of noise cancellation, they don't offer like the most extreme that you can get, but they're just nicely subtle. So you can activate it and it just takes away that little kind of hiss, that little hum just, just vanishes, but not to an excess, which some other pairs will do. So I, there's something sort of subtle about them and, and the way they look, the way they feel, the way they sound. I mean, the sound's important and they, they really deliver on that front too. Um, is what makes them, for me, ones that I've really, really enjoyed wearing for a long time. Cool. Okay. So at number two. Um, so this is kind of the opposite end of the scale in a way. And if you travel a lot, you'll probably see people wearing these. Um, it's the Bose QuietComfort 35 Mark IIs. Um, now, the reason you see them wearing them is because unlike the B&O BA blades, they have much, much, much stronger noise cancellation. So like you put these on your ears and you kind of feel almost like you're in a vacuum. It really kind of sucks you in. The outside world kind of vanishes. And when you're on a plane, as an example, or even the London Underground or something like that, you may not realize kind of how much noise there is around you. And actually, the second you click that switch on and everything just sort of 
clicks and mutes away, the difference is dramatic. Um, I think the reason these are really popular is because they're really lightweight. So you almost like barely notice you're, you're kind of wearing them to some degree. Um, but at the same breath, they don't have the same kind of build quality that you can get elsewhere. So they're a bit more plasticky, but then that's the sort of payoff that you're going to have for the lighter weight um, compared to something that might be more sort of leathery and, and luxury overall. But the fact they fold down, they come with a carry case and they give you that really strong noise cancelling is definitely uh, a real considerable appeal of the bows. If you were stranded on a plane for an eternity without wanting to, uh, to ca- you know, wanting to cancel everything out, what would be the, the headphones that you would grab from a noise cancelling perspective? In a way, you might actually go for those bows if it was a plane. But the number one pair for me... Um, are the Sony's and Sony makes a pair called the WH-1000X now in their Mark III iteration. Um, these are great for a plane because in a similar fashion to the, the Bose, they offer really strong noise cancellation, but they're better for other things, not just kind of that one, they're not a one-trick pony. So they have a variety of noise cancelling modes. So you can have it being really strong, but it also has like adaptive modes as well where it all figure out kind of what's going on if you're you know walking down the road and it'll try and adapt the mode to be more suitable for your surroundings but whether that's to make it stronger or allow for pass through of some sort of oncoming traffic and things like that you can select the modes that you want or allow the headphones to do that for you so it just adds a lot of versatility and i think the build quality is a bit better than the bose and ultimately with these you get the noise cancelling but you get really really good sound quality as well and that's the thing that really just makes them the winner sort of in pretty much every area they're they're very versatile and and useful for all kinds of situations where you might want noise cancelling and are all those uh those three they're all bluetooth i presume is that something that you can get you don't have to get is that is that something that should be aware of um i mean all of them have wires available to them so if you want to use 3.5 or 2.5 to your device um you can but i believe every one of them has bluetooth as well um which is certainly useful if you're playing things back from your own personal devices i'd always say take a wire with you because you might find you want to plug into a, a certain sound system on a plane or a train or wherever so it's kind of handy just to have that backup cable as well plus the batteries don't last forever right so you know, you've got to keep an eye on that and uh, all of these will deplete over. I mean, you get dozens of hours of use out of them all, but then you need to plug them back in to a power source to, to juice them back up, basically. Um, but Bluetooth, yeah, again, great because it takes that wire away. So if you're walking down the road, then you can get that benefit of noise cancelling uh, if you want it anyway, because one disadvantage of noise cancelling is effectively it uses microphones on the outside of these headphones that are kind of listening to your surroundings. And that will then create like an inverse phase of that sound to neutralize what you hear on the inside of the headphones. Um, But if there's wind or anything like that, it can really cut through that microphone and kind of cause a tearing sound, which could be quite unpleasant. So it's not always suitable for absolutely everything, but then you can turn it off if you don't want it. Well, that's it for this week's show. New episodes of the Pocalimp podcast will arrive every Friday with more news, interviews and buying guides for you to enjoy. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please let your friends and colleagues know. And please rate us on a podcast platform you're listening on. It really will help others know you like it too. Until next Friday, pip pip. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.